This morning on the way in, I, it was it's just a sense of such gratitude, right? Sometimes it just overwhelms you. Sometimes you have to remind yourself of how grateful you are. Uh, but this morning, I was just so grateful, grateful for being able to come and worship the Lord, grateful to be, you know, with other people who love Jesus, lifting up his name. Amen. I am going to read out of Ephesians 3, verse 14. This is a, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and this is a prayer, a prayer that Paul prayed for them, and I'm going to pray that over you. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, the fullness of God. You know, thinking about the, the, the depths of God and, you know, knowing his love is part of that, right? Because that's who he is. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, in his word, it also says, you know, he alone satisfies. And that came to me when you're thinking about why does it matter that, that I want this, right? He alone satisfies. Knowing his love satisfies. Amen. Church, stand with me. Stand with me. We're going to worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word, Father. So grateful, Father. So grateful, so grateful. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you for your spirit, Father, that in our inner being strengthens us to understand, Father. I thank you for that understanding. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. As we were worshiping, said he, he wants us to get to the point where we get to the point where we have peace that passes all understanding. And then I saw people that think that they've entered that peace, but they're doing a dead man's float. So they're sitting there with, it seems peaceful for them, but they just got their head down and they've gotten peace, but they're affecting nobody around them. He goes, church, I want you to get to the point where you're doing the back man's float. Where you lay back and you just put your arms back and you're just so peaceful because you're looking up to the Father. 
And because you're doing that, you have a big smile on your face. And when you have that peace, and people are like, I know what they're going through, and yet they still have that peace. I want that. I want that peace. So learn to, in your struggles, to just look up to him and get that peace that passes all understanding, and then just kick back and let him take over. Lord, we do bow before you this morning. You are Lord. You are King. We give you the Lordship of the stuff that's around us, the stuff we're dealing with. We allow you to lead and guide. We want you to receive glory, honor, and praise for the, the fruits of our, of our work. But Lord, we have to lay that down in front of you first. So Lord, this morning, we do bow before you. And we offer up that sacrifice of praise, that sacrifice of our living bodies. Your word says a living sacrifice, living our days in and out, honoring you, giving it to you in every way. And we want to do it for the, the name of Jesus to be lifted up. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus', Jesus holy name. Amen. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 9, says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches even the depths of God. And so we've been talking about the depths of God. You can go back. I'm not going to hit all the highlights here because it's getting to the point where there's too many of them. But you can go back on, our, on uh, the uh, YouTube page. You can go back on our website and it's all connected. Been laying out this idea, this, this concept of going deeper and deeper and deeper with God. And then this morning, it was really interesting because uh, uh, Be uh, Becca uh, used the, the verse. I was meditating on that very verse as I was getting ready this morning. It just came to me by the Spirit, and, and I was thinking deeply about it. I'm going to read it here, and uh, it's actually uh, really cool. It's out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So that he gives you that power. He gives us the power of, of Jesus. The power, and Philippians talks about that power is the power that raised him from the dead. I mean, we're talking about power, folks. We're not talking about, you know, we'll give you a little juice, we'll give you a little, we'll give you a little spark, we'll give you a, ooh, we'll give you a push. No, this is talking about the power that raised Jesus from the dead. He's given it to us so that, verse 17, so that. It's, it, this is the reason he is giving it to us. He's given it to us that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, remember when we're going to go back to those verses where we talked about add to your faith virtue, add to your virtue knowledge. We're going to go through those verses some more. But the first one is faith, and the last one is love. It's a progression, and here it's 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 parentheseing that by saying so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you may be rooted and grounded in love. There's something here. There's something here that he wants us to see. There's something here where, that he wants us to notice. There's something here that, that we, we need to be aware of what's going on because in it, in it is life. I mean, we can, you can be a Christian, man. You can, you can have just gotten saved this week, and that's awesome. Praise God. Praise God for salvation. But that's not it. That's not all there is. Years ago, I, uh, I, I was you know, preparing a, a series of sermons, and, and I, I was reading in Revelation where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But there's also parables where he says, I'm the door. Jesus said, I'm the door. No man enters into, the, into the, the, the presence of God unless they go through Jesus. Jesus is the door. But if, when you open that door, there's life immeasurable on the other side. That doesn't diminish who Jesus is. I mean, somebody even said to me, well, wait a second, it's all about Jesus. Yes, it is all about Jesus because you can't get on the other side unless you go through him. But there's more. There's more. There's more. So it says here that in that, or so that, Christ may dwell in your hearts, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. We're going to talk about the knowledge of Christ this morning too. And that, that we may be filled with the fullness of God. God wants us to be filled with his fullness. Is it possible to be filled with his fullness? Apparently. Are you filled with his fullness? Not yet. I'm not filled with his fullness yet. I have stuff. I got issues. I got Doubts, I've got, I mean, I've got, there's, there can be a time though when you're walking in the power of God because you're walking in the fullness of the knowledge of Christ. But did you catch what happened here? You know, we've been talking about depths and that's what the Holy Spirit said to me this morning. I mean, do you know that the Holy Spirit can talk to you while you're brushing your teeth? It's amazing, it's amazing. You would think, you know, you would think, well, wait a second, I'll, I'll talk to you when you get done, you know, when you get, but no, I'm just, and, and how does he talk to you? I didn't hear a voice talk about the depths. No, I didn't do anything like that. It was just, it just I just was, was meditating on, and these verses came to my heart, praise God, that same Holy Ghost talks to, talks to all of us. And I'm just meditating on these verses, and, the, and, I, and I'm thinking about the heights and the depths and the width and the breadth. It is three-dimensional, it's multi-dimensional. The fullness of God is not just depths. There's all kinds of verses that talk about the heights of the glory of God. The height, the width, the breadth, the, the, the fullness on, in him when we go through that door, through him into life everlasting, we enter through him. You can't get there in the other door. I was sharing the story this last week. I was able to, I had very blessed to be a part of a teaching down in Iowa this week, uh, teaching on church planting. And I told the story, we were talking about that, you know, make sure your, your, your team that you send to, to, the, to help plant a church, make sure one thing, that they're saved. It's a good thing, right? I mean, that's probably should be way up there on the list of things. Make sure they're born again. 
And I said, and everybody laughed, kind of like you did. And I went, hey, you know, here's the deal. And I talked about this last week. Here's the deal. I'm not guaranteed, and this is not guaranteed that everybody in the room at any given time is saved. And so we don't want to take that for granted. And I told the story about a woman who came to our church for four years over at Abundant Life. She came every week for Pastor Kevin. If you know Pastor Kevin at all, he was a former Baptist. You know, and us former Baptists, we can't help but preach, you know, and, and then give altar calls. He gave clear altar calls every week. Must be saved. Salvation through Christ alone. Do you know what I mean? Just talking about all of that. And yet this woman was in our church for four years and we got on the mission field and she goes, wait a second, you guys keep saying that Jesus is the only way. I said, well, what do you believe? She goes, well, I believe there's all kinds of ways to get to God. And I said, you're wrong. I, I said it as lovingly as I could. But you just want to tell the truth, man. You just want to, you just... And she goes, I think you guys are a cult. You know, I've been called a cult before, not just that time. You know what a cult is? You know what actually a cult is? A cult is somebody who believes something so deeply that you actually live it. That's the, that's the definition of a cult. It isn't somebody who believes something other than what you believe. So I don't get, I don't get too wrapped up when people tell me I'm you know, that I'm a cult or believe in a cult. No, but I believe this so deeply. She, that's wrong. There is no other way that a man might be saved. You walk, but when you walk through him, when you go through him to get, in, to get into the life of God, there's so much more. It's multidimensional. You know, I was, you know, been preparing these sermons and meditating on this for weeks, actually months now. And I keep thinking depths, depths, depths. And this morning the Holy Spirit says, that's only one dimension. There's more. You're not even started, John. Just when you, I mean, I thought I was getting it figured out. <laughs> There's more. Amen? Praise God. That was awesome this morning. Thank you for sharing that. That wasn't part of my sermon. That's just a freebie. Turn to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. This is the verses that we read last week, and I'm going to add to them moving forward, not adding to the verses themselves. We do not add to the scripture. We're going to talk deeper about them. First Peter, or Second Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, says, His divine power. Whose divine power? God's divine power. His divine power. Not my divine power, not collective divine power. We're talking about his divine power, his spirit. In him there is power. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. There's that word knowledge again. We're going to talk deeper about knowledge today by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. I'm reading through these verses, and, I'm, and, I, and, I'm, and I want to stop and talk about because, man, these are deep. This, is, this right here, this, this whole idea that we can partake of the divine nature, his divine nature. I mean, I, I can't go into depth. That's that's whole series in and of itself. We have to get to the next part, but I want to read it in context. 
but he is welcoming us. He's invited us into a relationship with him that is so deep, so powerful, so anointed, so meaningful that we actually have, we can become partakers in his divine power. Man, just, man, if you can't fall asleep some night, just start thinking about that. Just ask him, Lord, what does that mean? What is partaker of your divine power? I mean, does that mean, look at me, I'm going to be, you know, super whatever? No, it just means he fills us up and fills us up and fills us up that we can have a life that is so meaningful, so fulfilling, so impacting in the world around us. You know, praise God for the, for the cat, group, cat group on Monday night. Cat group, not like, you yeah. But the community action team, because they're impacting the culture through Christ. Impacting the world around us in many different ways. Are you impacting the world around you because you have the divine nature? Do you know most of the world does not have the divine nature? That's why we need you. That's why God needs you. He's done everything he's going to do. He sent Jesus. Jesus did everything he was going to do in 33 years. He says, now it's your turn. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Bringing in disciples, baptizing them, getting them saved, laying hands on the sick. You, we are the ones. But first we have to partake of the divine nature. And you can partake of the divine nature, but then, then you, you don't, you don't take, you know, partake of the divine nature and then go, well, I'm good enough. Whew. I can go the rest of my life. No, every day. Ask, you know, seek him. Go deeper, go higher, go further, go wider, go broader. Having escaped the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desires. Verse 5. For this reason. Here's the part we focused on last week and going to focus, continue to focus on here for a while. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, you don't just taste of it once and then you got it all. It's always increasing. Faith. Faith can increase. How, he gives us a measure of faith, but faith increases. Does God have to increase her faith, your faith, or can you increase your faith? I kind of heard smatterings of all the answers. That's okay. That's good. It's, it's kind of all of it. But how do we, the, the Bible says that, that faith, faith, uh, 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 faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. By reading his word, hear, reading those stories over and over and over again. You know, we're going through the, going, we're going through the, uh, the week, div, or we're not the week, div, we're going through the, read through the Bible in one year. And how many of you have done it year after, I mean, don't raise your hand, but many of you have done it over and over for years and years. I mean, I've done it now for Probably 20-some years, read over and read, read through the Bible. Others, and you get to some parts and you go, I've read that before. You know, oh yeah, I remember that. I know that story. 
I know you could, you could probably do phenomenal in, uh, in uh, uh, Bible trivia now, because you know the stories. But that Bible trivia, those names, that, those stories need to start impacting you. Because David was just a guy. David was just a guy, but God used that guy to save a nation. Ruth was just a woman, but God used Ruth to move forward the plan for the Messiah. God just used people, just people. You're a just people. He uses just people to change the world around us one day at a time. But we need that divine nature. When you read about those people, they, they were seeking him. They were going deeper in him. Add those things. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, verse 8, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. He didn't cleanse us from our former sins just to not go to hell. That wasn't the purpose. It's a side benefit, praise God. But that wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to have a relationship and then partnership with him to, to, to change the world. To rob hell, to plunder hell, and to get people out of that, that path in their lives. It takes the divine nature to do that. It takes the gifts. It, it takes the callings. It takes the anointings. He, put, he made you who you are so to help him fulfill his desire that none should be lost. That none should be condemned to hell. He, had no, he has no desire that a single person goes to hell. He did not create hell to, to destroy people. That was, not the, that was not his purpose ever. If you say, well, God, God you know, what kind of a mean God creates a hell? No, he did not create hell for, for people. He created hell to destroy sin. Sin will be destroyed. Remember, you go all the way to the end of the book. For those of you that, you know, when you start a book, you always read the last page first. Read the last couple of pages. It says that, that death and sin and, and all of that goes with it gets thrown into the lake of fire. And in that lake, sin is destroyed. But so is anything that's holding on to it. Anything that won't let it go. If you won't let your sin go, Satan won't let his sin go. Satan's going to be thrown in. It says he's going to be thrown in. Why? Because he will not let go of his pride. He will not let go of his jealousy. He will not let go of his sin. And he will be destroyed right along with the sin. And that's the problem is human beings are the same way. I read a quote this week. I can't remember who it was. It was just it was one of those things you scan and you wish you'd remember, but you don't. There was a person who was dying and a, and a believer tried to share the Lord with him. He goes, don't you start talking to me about that now. I'm thinking, if there's a better time. But he wouldn't let go of that pride. 
He wouldn't let go of that arrogance. He wouldn't let go of that whatever it was that he was holding. Man, why do we, why do we hold on to our sin? Why do we hang on to that, that thing? Years ago, I, I taught a sermon where I talked about, you know, there's those big, horrible, terrible sins, which everybody's like, oh yeah, I, I would never do that. But there are those pet sins I'm not saying cats are sin. They're close. Just kidding. But you know, there's those pet sins which we go, well, not this one. This isn't hurting anybody. It's just, between, it's just me. Nobody even knows I do this. Nobody even knows I think this way. That pet sin, man, let that thing go. It's stealing life from you. It's stealing joy. It's stealing, it's stealing effectiveness from you. Because when you sin in that way, God doesn't turn his back on you and, and, and go, I can't be with you. He doesn't. He's, he's calling you. He says, he says, come unto me. What happens when we sin is we turn away from God. And we cover ourselves. No, don't look at me. Don't, don't, I, don't, I can't have fellowship with you. God's going, wait a second. Don't. You know, come unto me. Let's reason together. And humans run away from God. How many days does it take you to, to, to repent before you feel like you can finally go back to God? That's the problem. Don't take a second. You catch yourself doing whatever that sin is. Immediately go, oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. I, didn't, I don't like you. I don't want to. I want to honor you. Help me. Help me, help me, help me. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, if we do these things, if we have them and we increase in them on a regular basis, how much do we have to increase in them? I don't know. I don't think we need to put a number on it. We just keep increasing in faith. We keep increasing in virtue. We keep increasing in knowledge. We keep just, just keep increasing. If you do that, if even if it's a, a, just, a, uh, just a smidgen more every day, it says if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. When I fall, when I, when I have those horrible attitudes, when I think badly, when I do something, whatever it is, when I sin, it's because I've started neglecting these. And that's not anybody else's fault. That's not somebody else who's being a jerk to me. It's, and, we're, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is how do we continue to grow in this and, and live it out? Well, we have to actually live it out. And the reason I fall in areas when I have when I when I think badly about a, another person or if I if I whatever it may be if I don't trust God it's because I've quit doing these things I've quit increasing in some area and it's not works this isn't works I'm saved I'm saved I'm you know if I if I were to if I were to die right this second I know exactly where I'll be I'll be in His presence. 
even though I'm not perfect. That isn't, it isn't about I have to earn my way. No, but I want to honor him more and more every day. I want to be more effective every day. I don't want to make those stupid mistakes. I don't want to miss an opportunity with another human being. What if I'm wallowing in my sin? What if I'm, what if I'm indulging in my sin and somebody needs the touch of God and I ignore it because I'm, I'm indulging in my own sin? My goodness. Talk about the height of selfishness. So we talked about this, that in the ESV it says add to, or it says supplement, I'm sorry, it says supplement. King James, I believe, says add to, different versions say it different way. What that means is go deeper. Go deeper in faith. Go higher in faith. Go wider in faith. Keep increasing multidimensionally. Go deeper in virtue. That means wherever you are in virtue, we're gonna, and I'll talk about virtue in a second here, wherever, where, whatever you find yourself today, just make sure you endeavor. You're at least open to God dealing with you to go deeper tomorrow in virtue. And go deeper in knowledge. We're always encouraging you. Go deeper in knowledge because the more you know, the more you know about the Word, the more you know about Jesus, who is the Word, the more you know about Jesus, the easier this stuff gets because we have His example. Go deeper. So faith, what is faith? Real quick, it says, I believe God. Super simple, easy. I believe God. If I have an opportunity to, to walk in faith, it means I believe God. I believe that God will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I believe that God heals. I believe that God supplies, that God protects, that God leads, that God is my banner. He's my protector. He's, I believe what the Bible says. That's faith. Everyone is given a measure of faith. You, you don't... I wish I could, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link, I'm going to have Pastor Greg link a sermon because this guy, I heard him preach this and he says it so much better than I think I could ever say it. We'll link it to our Facebook. But it's talking about how much faith do you need to do what God's called you today, or called you to do. The only amount of faith you need is the size of a mustard seed. Because Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can talk to that tree and tell it to be cast into the sea, and it will go. If you have a, a, a faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to that mountain and tell it to go, and it will go. He goes, why are we trying, if, if, if faith does that, why do we need more faith? I mean, that's pretty big stuff. He goes, if you're saved, if you're born again, and I'm not going to preach the whole sermon, I'm not, but it's just phenomenal the way he laid it out. He says, if you are born again, you have just done the, the, the most amazing supernatural thing that you'll ever see because you've been taken out of, the, of Satan's family. You've been, your sins that, that will destroy you have been forgiven. And that's the faith that, how many here believe that you're saved? Yeah. How many believe you can speak to a tree and it'll move? Couple, yeah, 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 yeah. But a whole lot less, right? Why is that? Because 
Salvation is the most amazing, you know, being taken out of the kingdom of darkness, your soul saved for eternity, is far more important, far more, far bigger than, than praying for somebody who has a headache. Ever increasing. I believe God. That's faith. Virtue. I'm not going to preach everyone. I'm sorry. Virtue. Moral goodness, we're going to talk about this more today, but moral goodness, moral excellence, modesty, and purity. Knowledge, the knowledge of Christ, not knowledge of trigonometry, not the knowledge of, but you can increase in those things too. But he's talking about the knowledge of Christ, knowing him, knowing him. Self-control, self-control, one who masters his desires and passions steadfastness, constancy, endurance, even the greatest trials and sufferings, you are steadfast, you don't move. Godliness, reverence and respect towards God. Brotherly affection, the love which Christians cherish for each other. And then love, the agape kind of love, the God kind of love. Affection, goodwill, love, and benevolence. So we're going to read those verses again. And I'm going to add to it. I'm not adding to Scripture. I'm just using a a different couple of words. It's going to be on the screen because I want you to see what I'm doing. So think of it this way. I want this to start getting into you. 2 Peter 1 verse 5 says, For this reason make every effort to go deeper in your faith with virtue. And go deeper in virtue with knowledge. And go deeper in knowledge with self-control. And go deeper in self-control with steadfastness. And go deeper in steadfastness with godliness. And go deeper in godliness with brotherly affection. And go deeper in brotherly, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so... For those who lack going deeper, we're so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he has been cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, For if you practice these qualities and you go deeper, you will never fall. You will never fall. You will never fall. If if you at any point in time have ever been concerned that you could fall from the grace of God, and I've been there. I've been there. Not because I just wanted to believe it, but because Satan just beats you up so bad sometimes you just, you can't imagine that God could love you. But increasing in this on a regular basis, going deeper and deeper in the things of God, you will never fall. You will never fall. You will continue to grow in him. So, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to 2 Peter 1, 5. It says, go deeper in your faith and virtue. With virtue. So going deeper in your faith by actually living out that faith with virtue. So what does that mean? How how does it mean go deeper in your faith with virtue? Well, Jesus said, 
I'm sorry, Jesus didn't say. The, the word of God says James. James said, go to James chapter 2, verse 18. James chapter 2, verse 18 says, But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? All right. So was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. He had faith in God. And it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. We have faith. We have faith that, that, that Jesus died on that cross for us. We have faith that, that, that he, his, his blood, his, his sacrifice, his atonement, his death on that cross paid for every one of my sins. We have faith, but you can have that faith, but if you don't live it out... It's worthless. If it doesn't affect us, if it doesn't affect me, if it doesn't change me, add to your faith virtue. And we said, we said that virtue was moral goodness, moral excellence, modesty, purity, just be good, being a nice person. If, if the salvation that Jesus died for doesn't change us, then it's worthless. Now, being good doesn't earn our way into heaven. Doesn't. You can't be good enough. Trust me, you can't be good enough. You can't. You don't have the ability to be good enough. But if his, what he did, if that salvation doesn't make me a better person, then it's just, it's just a word. It's just a concept. I am... I guarantee you, I am a nicer person than I was 40 years ago. I'm a kinder person than I was 40 years ago. Now, you might have had some dealings with me at some point and go, really? <laughs> well, I didn't say I was all the way yet. I'm growing in this. I'm getting better. I'm a kinder person. I'm, I'm a more generous person than I was. 40 years ago. I, there's all kinds of things where it has affected me. It's changed me. Why? Because I, 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 I believe God. I believe God that, he, that what, he, what Jesus did on the cross for me, it, it saves me from my sin. And I don't want to live like that anymore. So then I gain knowledge. I gain the knowledge of him. I gained the knowledge of who Jesus is and how he lived. How did Jesus live his life? He was kind to people. He blessed people. He helped people. The only people, you mean, well, wait a second. What about, what about how he treated the Pharisees? Exactly. I, thought he, I actually think he was being pretty nice to a bunch of guys who were trying to lead people astray and, and cause them to go to hell. I think he was actually pretty generous. I, th I think he was actually pretty, a lot of things. 
He could have been far worse. I mean, he did, you know, the whole whip and chair thing, you know, the whip and table thing. But even in that, it says that he did not sin. The zeal, the zeal of the Lord for his house and his house of prayer overtook him. He just couldn't help it. He's like, you, you bunch of liars and cheaters. You know, <laughs> when I think sometimes about how mad I get about the world situation, what, what the world is doing to people, what the world is doing to children, what the world is doing to our society, I get angry. Recently, I had somebody say, you got to watch this show. And I'm like, no, I can't watch this show. I already know what they did was wrong. I already know what they did was evil. If I watch that, I will get so angry that I want to do something about it. And whips and and tables are actually well within parameters of what I can do about it. But here's the deal. That that righteous anger does not come out of my selfishness that I think I deserve something more and so I'm going to force somebody to make me do it. It's, It's out of trying to punish, just wanting to punish evil. And you know, you can punish evil this November. Think about it. Just let it just... You want to talk about whips and chairs? No. No, we're not going to allow this. No, that's sin. That's sin. That's sin. That's sin. No. And we can put, that's how we can legally punish it. That's how you can, can, God can use you to deal with, this, with these things. Or you can, you can get involved. Through love, you can get involved. You can start helping at a pregnancy help center. You can, you can give into people's lives. You can serve them and encourage them. Don't kill your babies. And you can do something about it. That's, that is the, that's the, the love of God changing the world around us one life at a time. If, the, if, if our faith doesn't change the way we live, then we're like what Jesus talked about. We're salt that's lost its saltiness. Our life has to reflect his life or we've, we've missed it. We're just wasting our time. Don't waste your time. Now, if you've been wasting your time, say you have been. That's all right. Repent. Repent today. Repent right now. Say, okay, I don't want to go that way anymore. I want to go this way. Watch what God does. How quickly he restores you. How quickly he puts you on the right. How quickly he puts situations into your, into your path where you can start living his life by faith. You, your, that faith can affect your life and it can affect the people around you. That can happen today. You don't have to wait 20 years. Oh, shoot, I've been screwing around for 20 years and now I have to, make, I have to work it out for 20 years. No. Because you, he could, you could repent right now and this afternoon something could happen where God says, now, now uh, respond in this way and it can bless somebody and help them change their life. Immediately. Live out your faith. Go deeper in your faith through, vit- through virtue. Now, 
Live out that virtue. Here we go. Here's where it starts tying together. Live out that virtue based on self-help books. It's amazing. <laughs> live your best life now. And that's how you can live out that virtue. No. What does it say? What's the scripture say? It says, live out, go deeper in your virtue. Now, so what do we base this life on? How do we base the way I react? How do we base what I do? How do I base what we're talking about here? We base it on the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Add to your faith, virtue. Add to your virtue, knowledge. Well, how do you add to your virtue, knowledge? How do you add knowledge? Get in the Word. Study the Word. Study Jesus' life. Study how he, re, how he responded. Study the epistles. How, how Paul said, I, he had a revelation of how we're supposed to live. He, told, he was talking to whole churches. Here's how you live this out. The more you study that, the more you'll, you'll be convicted of it. You know, it doesn't just magically happen. I read the Word, I read the Word, I read the Word, and I started acting amazing. No, that's not how it works. Let's be real about this. You read the Word, you read the Word, you read the Word, and you react, and you realize, wrong. And you have to deal with that. I used to talk about how it's like a, like a, like a floodlight. You turn the floodlight of the Word on your life, and all of a sudden you start going, yeesh. Man, I got a terrible attitude. Man, I think, you know, I think selfishly. Man, I, you know, okay. So it doesn't just happen spontaneously. You have to once again be involved and make a choice. When faced with this situation, I choose to act the way Jesus acted, the way the, way the word says to live my life. So when somebody despitefully uses me, my natural response is to hit back. It just is. I'm a human being. Now, it's a lot less hit back or a lot less the immediate response than it was 40 years ago, significantly. 40 years ago, you'd have been hit already. <laughs> I probably would have just hit you even though you, you just when you walked in the room. <laughs> Didn't matter whether you did anything or not. But now, over, over time, letting the, word, letting the word change me, letting the knowledge, where does knowledge affect? Where does knowledge affect? The way you think. I think differently. When somebody despitefully uses me, one of the things I've learned to do is take a breath. When somebody does something to purposefully hurt me, my family, this church, whatever, someone else. <sighs> okay, we've learned through the knowledge of Jesus Christ that beating them up is bad. <laughs> Don't do that. I've chosen not to do that. Okay, good. Through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, what, is the, what does the word say? What did Jesus say about dealing with people who despitefully use you? What are we supposed to do instead of beating them up? Pray for them. That doesn't just flow right out of you, does it? Until you know that that's what the Word says. It says to bless them. Bless those who despitefully use you. 
Well, that doesn't, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't, that's not what I, my, that's not what my flesh wants to do. Well, who cares what my flesh wants to do? It's not about my flesh anymore. Die, flesh. Die, flesh. Quit acting like that. I'm going to bless you. You know what? I bless you. Stop doing it. <laughs> but bless you. There was a period in my life, there was a part in my life where the Bible says that when somebody strikes you on the right cheek, turn to them the left also. And I had to work through that. And I learned I can turn, you know, somebody slaps me on the right cheek, okay, okay, you know. Hey, I'm going to give you another opportunity. That's what it means. I'm going to give you another opportunity to live right. Then there was a period in my life where if you hit me on the left cheek, that's it. But I'm pretty sure that's not what that verse means. That means, because Jesus said, what else did the knowledge of Jesus Christ, what he said, how he lived his life, what else, what else does it say? It says that if someone offends you 70 times 7 every day, Give them another chance. Well, that just, I don't know about that. The knowledge of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will change you. But you have to add to that knowledge the next thing we'll talk about next week. But we keep adding to our faith, live your life right. A desire to live your life. Well, how do we live my life right? According to my code of ethics, according to Anyone else's code of ethics? No. According to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you keep doing that, you keep moving in that direction daily, and you will not fall. You will not fall. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you will not fall. So we're talking about the knowledge of, of Jesus. What did Jesus say about a lot of things? I'm, you know, I'm just going to give you a heads up. I'm going to switch over real quickly and talk about the offering. Don't want don't to slide it in there and scare you. But I'm going to talk about the offering real quick, not real long, and then we're going to pray and dismiss. The elders are going to come up here in just a moment. But what did Jesus say about giving? Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 42 says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Jesus is talking to these Pharisees who have taken, taken all the rules and made them so strict that you absolutely had to follow every bit of it. If you didn't, you, you're sinning and you had to do more. And Jesus goes, guys, 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 it's not about weighing out every... Mm. It's about the love of God. It's about loving God in this. But he didn't say, so forget about that other stuff and just love God. He said, you should have done that and love God. Jesus didn't get rid of tithing. He didn't get rid of the idea of giving. He didn't get, 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 uh, have anything. He didn't say anything that, that negates the need for that today. But it's not about specifically you know, paying exactly what I'm supposed to and only this much spice and only this. No, it's just about the love of God. And in the love of God, part of the knowledge of Jesus Christ is when, when his spirit changes us, when his word changes us, we become generous. We become generous. 
as he leads. As we give this morning, this is not about, well, you better give us a tenth. (laughs) This isn't about, you must give us something. No. It has nothing to do with that. It It has nothing to do with you have to do anything. It's about the love of God. When, when the love of God is, is shed abroad, abroad in our hearts, we become generous and we want to be a part of what he's doing. And it takes money to do stuff. It takes money to, to spread the gospel. It takes money to start churches. It's ta- it, take, it takes money. Okay, so our heart, our endeavor is to say, hey, here's the deal, folks. Here's some opportunities that you can give towards. We have, we have you know, different things within the church just to keep the lights on. To keep the water flowing. Praise God for inside toilets. We have money goes to that stuff. It goes to pay for staff. It goes to pay for stuff. But it also, we have opportunities for like through RVFM where you can pay. You can help spread the gospel locally in our area by starting churches. Write out RVFM in in your memo. Be a partner with RVFM. That's awesome. There's all these ways, but don't do it because you feel like you have to. Don't feel like you're pressured. If you feel like you're pressured, don't give. Please don't give. It's not going to benefit you. We want it to benefit you. We want want this act of giving to be a blessing to you, to your family, and to the body of Christ. Amen? All kinds of ways to give. They've been up there. I see they've been up there. Box in the back is right over there. You can mail it. You can drop it off in the office. You can do it online. More and more people are doing it online. Awesome. However you want to do it. Let's stand. We'll pray and dismiss. Could I have the elders come up? Those who are going to be praying for people. What, what, what does that mean? That means if you, have, if you have a need for prayer for healing, if you have a need of, for prayer for just peace, if you, need to, if you need somebody to stand with you and agree with you, you're going through some trouble, you know, some problem, whatever it may be, it may be that you need to be born again. If you're, not, if you're not a member of the family of God, if you're not saved, if you don't know, right now, if you were to die, as I talked about earlier, I, if I were to die right this second, I know exactly where I'd be. I would be in heaven with the Lord. I'd be in his presence. That's what the Bible says. How do I know that? Because I have a knowledge of God. I have a knowledge of Jesus. But if you don't know that, you can know right now. You can know today. Don't let it go. Don't wait till next week. Next week isn't promised. Today is the day of salvation. And how do you do that? By joining this church? No. By giving money? No. How are you saved? How are people saved? By acknowledging that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, my sins, for your sins, and you receive that free gift of that salvation. I, I, I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't be good enough. I can't do all those things. But Jesus died on that cross. That, his blood was shed for, that blood was shed for the, for the forgiveness of my sins. When you receive that free gift and then you allow him to be Lord, says that we need to make him Lord of our life. What does that mean? That means he's in charge. He gets to be the boss from this day forward. When my life started changing is when I said, okay, God, I've screwed this thing up just about as bad as I could. But Lord, from this day forward, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. I will follow you. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. 
When you do that, and you can do that, you could come up and these guys will pray with you. You could do that in your car on the way home. You might have done it just right now. You went, you know what? I got to do that. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I receive what you did on that cross. You could be saved. You could have got born again right then and there. It isn't a ceremony. It's not a, it's not a, a anything, but it, the Bible does say that what you need to do at this point then is acknowledge him before human beings, before man, before somebody else. And you can do that by turning to the person you came with and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. We've had that happen before. I've had people call, call me the next week, text me, saying they were walking out to the parking lot and somebody turned to them and said, hey, I just want to let you know I prayed that prayer. Praise God. You acknowledge, you know, when we talk about it, when we let people know that he's our Lord, man, that's, you're acknowledging him before man. But these guys would love to pray with you for that or any other reason you might need prayer. And if they get full, if we get a big line, we'll have, so we have other elders who can come up and do that. But let's pray and then we'll dismiss. Father, thank you. Thank you for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that as we continue to go deeper, deeper with you, that we're going to grow. We are going to grow. Our, 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 we individually are going to grow. Our families are going to grow. Our marriages are going to grow. We're going to have more impact into this area, this region, the nation, because you love us, Lord. Thank you for that. It's not, out of, not because we have to. It's because, Lord, I want to, man. I want to. We want to. We want to touch the world around us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.